from his studios in New York. It's time for Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, where sports meets life. Here's your host, Dan Tortora. Welcome here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. How are my people doing out there? Hopefully very well. I hope you had a phenomenal weekend, a nice start to your June. We had some nice weather outside. We had some good things. We had some rain. I fought with, remember how the annoying moment of the week this past Friday that there was three scoops and that one of those scoops of the annoying moment of the week was grass, was the fact that the grass won't stop growing so darn fast? Well, yeah, okay. Well, let's discuss that for a second. I was out cutting the grass for about four hours of my day. On Saturday, about four hours of my day, I was cutting grass. A lot of fun. No, it wasn't. No, it wasn't. <laughs> so, it really wasn't. But I did it. I got it done. So, you know, folks, I don't know what's going on with the grass right now. Obviously, it's angry. It wants to be loved and respected. And it was very unhappy of how long our, our winter was. So, it's had a retaliation effort. That retaliation effort has been very strong, and with that retaliation effort being very strong, it's caused many of us to have to spend a lot of time outside doing what we got to do. So, you know, hopefully your grass is maintaining itself, or you're maintaining your grass, but it just rained again, and I told my wife that she's got to do it for the next, like, 10 years, because I can't do it. <laughs> so, but no, I'll be out there. Making it happen, cutting the grass, got to cut the grass. That was my first job when I was 10 years old, was cutting the grass. For my grandmothers and my parents, I cut the grass. That's what I did. That's how I made money. I didn't I didn't get an allowance. I didn't get like money just because I had to work for it. That's how my household was. So I cut grass. That's how I made money. And now I cut grass for free at my own house. So how did that work out? I used to, my first ever job was making money cutting grass. Now I cut grass for free. I don't get it. Somehow we've gone backwards, but it was, you know, I mean, it's fun. The weather's been beautiful. I can't, I can't argue with the weather. The weather has been great for the most part. Yeah, we got some rain, but we needed it. So, you know, I'm not against anything that we had going on over here. It's just that the grass in central and upstate New York is a pain in the butt to take care of currently. I'm not a huge fan of having to do it as much as we have to do it, but I got it done, and I didn't find any massive creatures outside, so that's good too. <laughs> so, so happy Monday, and happy June. Happy first full week of June, and uh, we are very excited about what's to come here. The CNY Pop Festival, I want to make a quick note here really, really fast. Uh, make sure that you're buying your tickets to the CNY Pop Festival. It's going to feature Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. It's also going to feature Super Powered Pop with Dan Tortora and Eric Bunch. So Super Powered Pop with DT and EB. It's going to feature us there for that, and it's going to feature a Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. What I mean by that is that we're going to have panel discussions with the sports and entertainment figures that will be at the event, which 
gives me the opportunity for you to see Wake Up Call on stage live, as well as seeing Super Powered Pop on stage live as well. So you get the opportunity to see both live doing our thing, making it happen, and doing interviews with Syracuse, former Syracuse basketball players, former Syracuse football players, as well as entertainers from all around the world. So you don't want to miss an opportunity to see and hear that and be around that coming up on August 12th, which is a Sunday. It's going to happen at the F-Shed at the Regional Market, which is on 2100 Park Street in Syracuse, New York, right by Destiny USA. We have amazing partners that are going to be helping us out, like Honda City of Liverpool and Utica Pizza Company. You don't want to miss out on the events and the opportunity to meet people that have never been into this community before, like Michelle Harrison and Blake Foster and whatnot, as well as the Anfilic Silla, and also have the opportunity to be around your sports, you know, favorite sports stars from Syracuse. You have an opportunity to be around the decades of Bayheim, which is pretty, pretty awesome. The opportunity to be around players that have been involved in every decade that Bayheim has coached over the last 40 plus years he's been out there, and we're going to have people from all throughout his career, from the beginning of his career as a head coach at Syracuse to the most recent times with Daywan Coleman and Bayamu Cicada. So make sure that you get your tickets at cnypopfestival.com. Don't miss an opportunity to be a part of a massive community event that has never happened like this, this way in Syracuse, New York. We're doing it for you, and we want as many people as we possibly can to come hang out with us. We can fit thousands inside of the building, so we're looking forward to doing so and looking forward to having you there and having you be a part of this festival the cny pop festival it is family friendly there will be kids events to do there's going to be a cosplay contest for adults and for children so wear your favorite costumes and make sure you enter into our cosplay contest which is also going to be up on the live stage and we're going to have a 95x there with a booth as well and so much more is going to be coming up. So between having a 95X there to having the live panel discussions brought to you by Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora and Super Powered Pop with DT and EB, you're going to be able to get autographs. You're going to be able to get pictures with the athletes and autographs with the athletes, pictures with the entertainers, autographs with the entertainers, and so much more. So don't miss out on the event, cnypopfestival.com. It's as simple as that. That's where you go to buy tickets, and our tickets are very, very, very low priced right now. You can get an adult ticket for $15. You can get a children's ticket for $10, and five and under are going to be free on top of that. You can get your VIP passes right now and only now because they will not be available at the door. You can buy your VIP passes on cnypopfestival.com. Those are only 30 bucks, so double the price and you're going to get a nice swag bag and so much more. So make sure that you get your tickets to the CNY Pop Festival. It is different. It is innovative. There's nothing like it. Think Comic-Con and Sports-Con came together and had a baby. That's essentially what we're doing. We're not a Comic-Con. We're not a Sports-Con. We are both. We're bringing sports figures and entertainers, local food, local vendors. There's going to be vendors from all different walks of life, from female-run businesses, male-run businesses, 
sports card businesses to fitness businesses to comic book businesses and toy businesses to so much more. I really, really, really want you to be a part of this because we are daring to be different. We're daring to step out of everybody's comfort zone and make something original and fun. And in order to make this as as successful as I want it to be is to have you there. So please buy your tickets at cnypopfestival.com this morning. Let's hop into the morning menu, menu and I'll let you know what's coming up today. Here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. We like to start off the show by giving you our menu of topics. The morning menu, that is, live now with the morning menu is Dan Tortora. The morning menu right here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. This morning on Monday, June 4th of 2018, we're going to be starting off the show in just a few minutes. We're going to have Dave Paziak rejoin the broadcast. Dave Paziak is the head coach of the Linden Hornets college basketball team for the men's side of things out in Vermont. He used to be a head coach here in the community as well. That's how we met, and we've spent a lot of time over the years on the show dissecting the sport of basketball and having big-time discussions such as what's what's going on with college basketball, what can we do to fix college basketball, what can we do with the one-and-done rule, you know, all these different things to the NBA game, to what are some fallacies, what are some things that people believe that maybe aren't entirely true, to the collegiate game, to his favorite pieces of this, that, and the other. So many different things we've discussed here on the show with Dave Paziak, and he's going to be back on the show in just a little while at 9.30 a.m. Eastern Time to speak on Game 2 of the NBA Finals. You know that Game 1, Dave was on on Friday to speak on uh, Game 1 of the NBA Finals and what happened from there, the debacle that happened with the NBA Finals and and how J.R. Smith... He was part of the annoying moment of the week as well. Just how J.R. Smith ended up running away from the basket instead of staying under the basket and at least getting himself fouled and at least going to the line. Well, the Warriors took care of business in Game 2. This didn't have to go to overtime. It was 122-103 to in favor of the Cavaliers, who won the game by 19 points, almost 20 points in this game, after winning in overtime in Game number 1. Like I said, you really shouldn't be given an inch to a team that is going to take 10 yards from you. So, pretty amazing what this team has been able to do. with Golden. Speaking on Golden State, I thought that whoever got to this game was going to meet a buzzsaw. I think that whoever got to this game was going to be in a very, very tough situation having to play Golden State. So, you know, I said, LeBron's gotten this far, and that's great. And LeBron's done this, that, and the other thing, and that's great. But he still has to go through Golden State. And Golden State beat Houston, and Houston has a lot of firepower as well. So, with that being said, I think the Golden State's going to win this series. I felt that way this entire time. And, you know, I thought that if Boston went, it would have been different and interesting, but I still would have picked the Golden State Warriors to win it, and I still think Golden State is poised to win this one. I think that if anybody can beat LeBron, it's obviously been proven that Golden State can do so. And here's Golden State again, up two to nothing, but they have to go to Cleveland, and Cleveland's been really tough to play in the playoffs this year. So it's going to be interesting to see where things shape out 
nine threes by Steph Curry. Nine threes. He sets an NBA Finals single-game record for most three-pointers in a game, in a best-of-seven series. Nine threes. He went nine of 17. Is better than 50% from three-point range. Better than 15 per, 50%, pardon me, from three-point range. 53%. 53% from beyond the arc. 53%. Ray Allen, when he was playing for the Celtics, set the original record. He made eight three-pointers against the Lakers. So the new record is by Steph Curry. If I said tied the record, my apologies. Steph Curry's set the new record for most threes made in an NBA Finals game in a best-of-seven series. Nine threes made in Game 2. The previous record was held by Ray Allen, who is an awesome three-point specialist. He made eight against the Los Angeles Lakers, also in Game 2 of the Finals, which is pretty awesome when he played for Boston. So Game 2 seems to be the game, which is pretty pretty cool here. The 17 attempts from three-point range were also a Finals record. The previous record was 15. So, Steph Curry hits nine threes against the Cleveland Cavaliers in Game 2 to help the Warriors take a 2-0 lead. His nine threes are a single-game record in the NBA Finals best-of-seven series. The previous record was eight threes made by Ray Allen, which also happened in Game 2 eight years ago in 2010. And the 17 three-point attempts by Steph Curry in Game 2 break a record, which was 15 attempted threes, which happened by a couple different players in history in a best-of-seven series. So, big-time Steph Curry ends up being even more big-time. If that's hard to believe, somehow, some way he did it. He was even bigger in the moment than maybe he's been in the past. And Steph Curry ends the game with 33 points, 11 for 26 from the field as a whole in 38 minutes. Insane. Seven rebounds for the point guard. Eight assists in the game. He did have five turnovers. That's his blunder. But one steal, eight assists, seven rebounds, nine of 17 from three-point range, 33 points in the game. Klay Thompson added 20 points in 34 minutes. He was 8 of 13 from the field. JaVale McGee, their center, was 6 of 6 from the field. Had 12 points in 18 minutes. Kevin Durant had 26 points in 38 minutes. Sean Livingston off the bench had 10 points in 15 minutes. And they played their bench, folks. The Golden State Warriors played 8 people off their bench for a total of 13 players that went out in this game, and not to be outdone, so did the Cavaliers. Both teams playing 13 players. The Cavaliers had points from every single player on their bench, though, whereas the Golden State Warriors didn't need it. Looney did not have a point. Young and McCaw, none of them scored. Everybody else did for the Golden State Warriors. As far as the Cavs, everyone scored off their bench from Hood to Corver to Clarkson to Calderon to Osmond to Green to Zizek to Nance Jr. Everybody had at least one point. But it's kind of insane how things go 
where Kyle Korver was taking over games and blocking shots and doing all this stuff against Boston. Kyle Korver came off the bench in this game, had one point in 17 minutes, and Rodney Hood, who people bring up, was supposed to step up in these NBA playoffs. He's had two. He had two points in four minutes off the bench. J.R. Smith had five points in 31 minutes of the game. George Hill had 15. Tristan Thompson, who goes up and down, had 11 and 23 minutes. Kevin Love had 22 and 35 minutes. And LeBron had a slow day, 29 points in 44 minutes, was 50% from the field, took 20 attempts, just didn't make them. 10 of 20. Took 20 attempts, just didn't make them. 13 assists, 9 rebounds, 5 turnovers like Steph Curry. So like Steph, he gets his rebounds. Like Steph, he gets his assists. And also like Steph... They both have five turnovers in the game. Twenty-nine points in forty-four minutes. Steph Curry, thirty-three points in thirty-eight, doing more with less. Didn't have to play the whole game. LeBron pretty much had to play the whole game. So the majority of the game, more than anybody else. He played more minutes than anyone on the floor. Of the 26 players that played combined, he played the most minutes. LeBron James with 44 minutes in this game. And Golden State looks strong. Golden State looks good moving forward here. But again, the only concern for Golden State fans is that they're going back to Cleveland. And Cleveland's been a pain in the keister for anybody. So if anybody's going to make it happen, I would say it's Golden State. But If Golden State wins game three, if they win that first game where they go back to Cleveland, watch out, folks, because it is going to be a danger zone. If they go up three to nothing and they got the rest of the series to win one game, it's hello, goodbye, see you later. I think this game is going to go five, but (laughs) if they sweep them, I mean, we're looking at this thing. It could, I mean, obviously, it could go four. It could go four if this happens. But we shall see where things end up. All I can say is, I've told you over and over again, no matter what happens, no matter what LeBron does, watch out for Golden State. Watch out when Golden State comes to that NBA Finals and has to play LeBron James, and LeBron has to play them. Just watch out for what that's going to look like. Watch out for the danger zone. That's all I was saying. Just watch out. And Golden State has not disappointed by any stretch of the imagination as they move forward and keep doing what they're doing. They've been insane. Can anybody beat Golden State, which causes so many people to get pissed off? It causes so much anger, <laughs> which I understand. I understand. I get it. But here we are today, in this moment, and they still have to go to Cleveland. And we have to go to a fast break so we can get Dave Paziak on the show to discuss it. Dave Paziak coming up here, basketball coach and analyst. We're going to discuss the NBA Finals and his thoughts and different angles of this thing. And then at 10 a.m. Eastern Time, 2020, yes, folks, I am interviewing these people already, 2020 recruits. 
2020. 16-year-old DJ Thompson, cornerback and safety out of Florida. He's going to join me at 10 a.m. Eastern time, and he's going to tell his story. And he's going to give you some thoughts on Syracuse, who he's very, very, very high on and would love an offer from. Coming out of Florida, the 2020 cornerback and safety, DJ Thompson, will join the show at 10 a.m. Eastern time, and then we'll move forward from there. Let's take a step aside for a fast break, and we'll be back here in just a moment, but not before you hear from these great partners of Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. This is a Wake Up Call Fast Break. Carvel DeWitt, it's what happy tastes like. Do you know why? Because we make ice cream. Creamy, rich, flavorful ice cream. Not yogurt or ice milk like some of our competitors. Ice cream. Fresh, by hand, daily. For the calorie conscious, we have something new for you. Our new Carvelite. Same great flavor, creaminess, and texture of our regular ice cream with only 35 calories an ounce. So whether you want an ice cream cake, flying saucer, dasher, carvalanche, hard or soft ice cream, we will satisfy your craving with our fresh, handmade, regular, or new Carvelite ice cream. Carvel DeWitt. It's what happy tastes like. Clothing that will change with you without you having to change. DreisigLady.com, D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G, Lady.com. With the bamboo line, relaxed fit clothing, as well as the athletic fit clothing, DreisigLady.com is fit for any woman, any time of the day, anywhere. Whatever you're doing, whatever your day commands of you, Command yourself to feel comfortable in Dreisig Lady Apparel. D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G Lady.com. For all the women out there, feel good in what you're wearing. And don't feel like you have to constantly change throughout the day. Whether you're a stay-at-home mom, a business owner, going for a jog, going for a meeting, or just relaxing at home, DreisigLady.com is the right fit for you. D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G, lady.com. This is Lawrence Papaleo, licensed real estate salesperson for Gilbo Realty. Call our home office at 315-752-9513, or better yet, call or text me directly at 315-748-2524. Let me ask you a question, Lawrence. If I needed you to help me buy a house, find the right place, could you help me do that? Joe, I'll help you find your dream home. You don't ever say my name on the radio, never. If I needed to sell a house, could you help me go about that the right way? Yes, yes I can. How do they get a hold of you? Call me directly at 315-748-2524. But you also do the commercial property. So if I got a business, couple businesses, got to take one here, move it over there, do this, do that. Are you going to help me buy and sell my commercial property also? Yes, sir. I like that. I like that. What's my name again? I have no idea. Absolutely. But they need to know your name. So give it one more time. This is Lawrence Papaleo, licensed real estate salesperson for Gilbo Realty. My phone number is 315-748-2524. Why don't you tell them your name one more time and that number so we can jot it down. This is Lawrence Papaleo. Call me or text me directly at 315-748-2524. This is Jimmer Sikowski, owner-operator of Chick-fil-A Cicero, 7916 Brewerton Road in Cicero, right in front of the Home Depot. I had a deep feeling that God wanted me to do something bigger with my life and to help people help others. I kept putting Chick-fil-A in my life and I realized as I was going through the franchise selection process that uh, positively impacting the lives of others was really core to what we do here at Chick-fil-A. First of all, it starts with the food. The food is brought in fresh daily 
you know, we bring in local produce, we prepare to order in the kitchen, we hand bread our chicken, we hand spin our milkshakes. It's, it's great food. It doesn't taste like fast food. I, I think the second thing is, is the way people feel when they come in a Chick-fil-A restaurant. It's different. We, we try to treat people with intentional kindness here which is very different and deeper than good customer service. And so I think it feels remarkable for most people to come in a Chick-fil-A restaurant. And then lastly, the impact that we try to have in the community is very different. It's a big part of the expectation of every operator of a Chick-fil-A restaurant is that they're actively engaged in their community, they're a leader in the community, and they're, they're making a difference. When they realize that what we're striving to do is to shine a little light in their life, that's a very, very different experience uh, than you will have in any other quick service restaurant. And it's that remarkable experience that I think people will emotionally connect with. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on wakeupcalldt.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on mixlr.com backslash Wake Up Call DT. Proud to have you here every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Always appreciate you tuning in to the broadcast, as well as going to wakeupcalldt.com and finding on the homepage the RSS feed, the iTunes podcast, the TuneIn radio broadcast, and the Podbean podcast that you can get directly there on the Podbean app. So however you're listening in to the archive of shows, we have over 970 shows available to you and we're building them every single week with live shows monday through friday so thank you for your listenership your support and everything that you do to be a part of what we do here dave paziak the head coach of the linden state college hornets men's basketball team as well as an analyst that we've always gone to when it comes to wake up call with dan tortora he's on the show right now to speak on game two we had him for game one which went into overtime and involved jr smith being insane, and now we stand here with Game 2 where they won outright, speaking of the Golden State Warriors, and Steph Curry sets a record with nine made threes in the game out of 17 attempted, which is also a record, and 53%, which is darn good. With that being said, Dave, how you doing today? I'm good, Dan. How you doing? I'm doing well, and, and I want to start there with you. What's your takeaway from, I mean, we know Steph Curry is good. We know that he is capable but nine three-pointers, a new NBA Finals, best-of-seven series record. Thoughts on how he played last night? Well, obviously, he shot the ball phenomenally. Um, you know, he's he, he's a great shooter um, in a general sense, and he's also a guy that when he gets it going, I mean, he's got unlimited range. And I mean, a couple of the shots he threw in were kind of ridiculous last night. Um, you know, so he... he he got it going. I thought the game in general, um, you know, Cleveland was kind of hanging around, but it never felt like they were going to win the game, um, just watching it. Um, and it, it was kind of what I expected. I thought, you know, there was a little hangover from the last game with Cleveland. I thought neither team was, I want to say, as locked in or as um, – or playing with the, quite the same intensity, like defensively especially, that they were uh, in game one. So I think that contributed a little bit. I thought, um, you know, Curry got cleaner looks and Golden State got cleaner looks in general. And, and Cleveland got a lot of looks they just didn't knock down. Like, you know, the one thing the Warriors did do is they double-teamed uh, LeBron quite a bit more than they did in game one. And 
uh, found a lot of open guys, and, and really Cleveland didn't shoot the ball well, and, and Curry shot the ball phenomenally. So, and you know, when we like you said, he has this undeniable, just unstoppable range. It seems like, and like you said, a couple that he threw down were pretty ridiculous. You know, as a coach, I mean, I know, I know, you could tell your guys get out on him and man-to-man stay with him. If you're in a zone, you know, stretch forward a little bit here. But, I mean, with Steph Curry, I mean, the guy could shoot from half court pretty comfortably. So is this kind of a head-scratcher type? I mean, as a coach, if you're playing against a guy that can shoot from all over the place, shoot from, you know, my studios here in Syracuse, New York, off off to Golden State, what do you do in that scenario? Well, I mean – you know, one of my good friends in basketball, Ed Jones, he always used to have a, a, a kind of a, a comment on things. And it's like, you know, you worry about running your offense and playing tough D and all that other stuff as a coach. He said, at the end of the day, if you make shots, you think you're good. If you don't, you think you stink. And it kind of comes down <laughs> to that a little bit. And, and um, you know, in Curry's case, he, he's he's good enough. And, you know, he's good off the dribble. Um, you know, he's fairly quick with the ball and, and, you know, fairly good off the dribble, good enough that you have to, um, that you have to respect him. Um, and you can't just like totally sell out and, and, and get body to body with him, you know, three, four steps past the arc because he goes by guys, you know, you, you contrast him to a guy like Corver from Cleveland, who, you know, Corver, if you, if you line him up with Curry and just, catch and shoot probably every bit as good a shooter as curry but he doesn't do the things off the dribble that curry does so um you know so he's a guy that can be taken away in in a lot of situations whereas curry is a guy that um like i said he's 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 such a great shooter and he does um quite a bit of things off the dribble so you know a combination of those things make him um you know really tough to guard when he gets it going and when you brought up Kyle Korver, I mean, I, I most recently in this game too, he's very quiet coming off the bench. Seventeen minutes, he had a point, did not make a single field goal. Ended up just going one for one from the charity stripe. What can you say about the Kyle Korver factor? Because he showed up big time in the Boston College series or Boston College Boston Celtics series. My head's going back and forth with college right now, but with the Boston Celtics going up against them on the offensive and defensive side, Kyle Korver came through to play. What can you say about his factor and and how much you know he kind of can affect the dynamic of this? Rodney Hood's been down. So, I mean, we, we don't expect a lot out of Rodney Hood because we haven't expected a lot of him in, in a bunch of games here in the NBA playoffs. But what can you say about the Kyle Korver factor for Cleveland? Well, I think Golden State um, deserves some credit there in that they've been disciplined enough to stay home on him. Um, you know, I think what what happened with, uh, you know, earlier in the playoffs, you know, in the Boston series and games where Korver has, has scored a bunch is um, – you know, he's been real good at coming off screens, and uh, LeBron has been really good at finding him when he draws help on penetration and, and things like that. Um, and, you know, the, the Cavs in general have been good at finding him. Uh, what I think Golden State has been successful with is staying at home on him and not helping off him on the drive, not rotating off him to other guys and things like that. So um, so I think other guys who are not nearly as accomplished shooters as him, uh, more streaky shooters, are getting some some clean looks for Cleveland. Um, but, 
you know, Corver has been really not much of a factor in this series because, um, you know, because the Warriors, I think, have been uh, a little bit better and a little bit more disciplined defensively in terms of staying home with him. Speaking here with Dave Paziak, head coach of the Linden Hornets in Vermont, as well as an analyst here that we appreciate having on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. What were your biggest takeaways from Game 2 outside of Steph Curry, some other things that we've spoken about, when you saw kind of just the the flow of play I know that you said that coming off of Game 1 when we spoke on Friday's show, you made the statement that, you know, because this game went this way, you know, there's there's a good opportunity for Golden State to win this one handily, kind of show themselves because Cleveland could be reeling a little bit. What was your takeaway from this? I mean, did the game kind of unfold the way that you thought it would? What ultimately did you think of Game 2? Yeah, it, it kind of did, but it was a funny game because um... – you know, if you're watching it, you're thinking Golden State's up 20, but then you look, Cleveland's, you know, Cleveland's within five or six, and that happened, you know, a number of times in the game until the Warriors really kind of broken open for good in the fourth quarter. But, uh, um, you know, you thought at halftime, you know, it's a, it's a 10 or 11-point game at halftime, and you're thinking Golden State has been such a good third-quarter team out of the locker room that they were going to break it open, and they really didn't at that point. Cleveland got it back again to like a five or six-point game at one point, and um, you know, it it, it, it unfolded kind of the way I thought, except that Cleveland was able to hang around a little more than I thought. And, you know, I think part of that, like I said, Golden State got it going offensively. Um, and I don't think they defended as well, um, in good parts of that game as they, as they had in other situations. Um, the one thing that I think Golden State did do that was, uh, um, in the end, uh, 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 a solid adjustment for them is they doubled LeBron a lot more, um, you know, in the middle of the court um, and forced him to give it up a little bit more. Um, or when he didn't give it up, they had a second guy there a lot of the time, um, to, you know, to make it more difficult for him to get looks. And, you know, it's funny, like, I think he, you know, he was like one rebound away from a triple double again last night. And, you know, for an ordinary player, he had a fantastic game but I think you know the I think people have come to expect so much out of LeBron when he has um just a, I would say a typical LeBron game people almost feel let down like you know he's got to be out of this world for you know for Cleveland to win and um you know there's a grain of truth to that so um you know I think Cleveland role players always play better at home um you know that's kind of the rule of thumb in the NBA and in the playoffs and whatnot um so I think in, in game three uh, on Wednesday, I think if Cleveland can get a little better play out of the role players, you know the the you know the George Hills and the J.R. Smiths and the Kyle Corvers, Thompson, um, you know Larry Nance, some of those guys, if they can get, uh, you know, if you get if you get like two of those guys and they can get you thirty thirty five points. Um, you know, two of the role players, they can combine for 30. You know, you get your 35, 40 out of LeBron, you get your, you know, your 20 and 15 out of Kevin Love, um, you know, and then Cleveland becomes really hard to beat. So um, I think game three, they have a chance to kind of um, get back on their home court, get maybe a little bit more comfortable, and, and you know, it's really Cleveland's opportunity to make it a series. I think if Golden State, you know, takes game three, it, you know, no teams come back from 3-0 in NBA history. If if the Cavs come back, 
Um, you know, now they're playing game four at home and, and with a chance to even the series. So um, I think really uh, the next game is going to determine whether we're going to get a series out of this or not. And how likely do you feel that, you know, Cleveland can, can take this one? We know that Cleveland's been good at home. We know that they have been dangerous at home. We know that they flipped the script on the Celtics when they went back to Cleveland, Ohio, and, and were able to take care of business from there. So what do you think of Cleveland? I, I You know, I agree with you as far as role-playing. It seems like, especially Cleveland, if, if <laughs> above anybody else, that their role players come to play when they're at home in Ohio. So do you think that we can see somewhat of a shift here or is it already starting to get out of hand? What's kind of your gauge of this series so far? Well, I think they got a chance to shift it. Um, you know, you think about it, I mean, Cleveland should be 1-1. I mean, they should have won game one, you know, when you come right down to it. Um, you know, they were the better team over most of that game until all the crazy stuff at the end. Um, but, uh, um, you know, so on the one hand, I mean, that was a tough loss to take. On the other hand, you know, Cleveland – you know, knows they're, they can play with Golden State. The thing with Golden State is, um, you know, their guys, you know, they've got, the, you know, guys, you know, they've got multiple championships and high level. You know, Durant, probably the second best player in basketball. Um, Curry's a great shooter. Thompson's a great shooter. Those guys probably tend to um, get affected less by going on the road than, um, you know, than the, 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 you know, the, the garden variety NBA role player, you know, those are high end players that, um, you know, I, I expect Cleveland to have to play very well to win the game. Like Golden State, I don't think will have the amount of slippage on the road that, uh, um, you know, that you see out of, uh, you know, the average role player on, on, um, the, the typical NBA playoff team. Um, you know, they may not get what they got on McGee or somebody like that or, um, you know, but, uh, but their, their core guys, their, their go-to guys are going to show up and play. So Cleveland's going to have to play well, um, very well to, to beat them. But I think that, you know, they're fully capable of doing that. Seeing how the, this series has gone on, I mean, and seeing what Golden State's been able to do, they went to a Game 7 as well. They went up against the Houston Rockets. The Rockets were the number one seed. Golden State was was the two seed in this thing, in the West side of things, in the Western Conference. To get to where they've gotten to and kind of be pushed to the brink, have you seen a different Golden State team now, or now that they've gotten to the finals, do they look exactly the same? Well, uh, I forget who it was, Livingston. You know, one of their guys was quoted as saying that it's been, you know, now that they've won a couple of titles, um, he felt like individually and collectively as a team, maybe they, um, they've they struggled to kind of stay as locked in and motivated as they've been in other years. And, you know, I think um, that's been reflected a little bit, both in the regular season and the playoffs, where, um, you know, they're a team that has, uh, you know, they're, they're still at their peak, I think, the best team in the NBA, for sure. Um, but they're a team that has, uh, I'd say, played below its peak potential um, more often this season and this playoffs than they have in other years. So, um, you know, they've been, you know, been able to turn it on when they need to. Um, you know, now in the finals, you would think that, that they would be fully engaged and fully locked in every game. But, uh, 
again, you know, if you don't make shots, and, and Golden State inherently is a little bit of a, a high turnover team, high risk, high reward team. So, um, you know, that's one thing they've done a fairly good job of, in the, you know, in this series so far is, is limiting the turnovers. Um, but they're, you know, they're a team that has had a history of turning the ball over a lot, and they uh, they overcome that with, um, you know, with great great offense, great three point shooting, and and um, and also they're I think a better defensive team than than they get credit for a lot of the times, um, you know, and they make make good adjustments. Really, Curry's a bad defender, but uh, the other four guys that they run out there are are high level defenders that you know allow them to compensate for Curry a lot. And before we let you go, really quick here with Dave Paziak speaking on the NBA Finals and Game 2. In general for the NBA Finals and and for what you've seen up to this point, maybe the playoffs up to this point, we don't talk about defense a lot. Everybody talks about offense and scoring and getting in the hundreds and whatnot. What can you say about what you've seen defensively from this series and maybe as a whole on that side of the ball, what are you taking away as a coach? Because most of the time, that's not what people are sitting down and discussing. So I want to discuss that for a second here, just what you've taken away from what you've seen defensively in the NBA playoffs this year. This year, Well, I think defensively, the thing that, that to me as a coach and uh, as, a, as a basketball fan that really is always fascinating um, in the NBA playoffs are the adjustments from game to game over a seven game series. Um, you know, we talked a minute ago about the, you know, the adjustment Golden State made to d- uh, double LeBron earlier in, in the middle of the floor. Um, and the impact that had on the game. And I think you see from game to game and, uh, you know, as a series unfolds, um, you know, you'll see teams making tweaks defensively. And I also think that, um, you know, when you get in the playoffs, I think teams are a little bit more consistently engaged and locked in defensively, and they are doing specific things to take away the other team. When you're, um, you know, when you're in the regular season, you're on the road, you're playing three games in four nights, and um, uh, one is it, it, it's harder to be as locked in, and two is you don't see the game-to-game adjustments. Um, you know, so I think in the regular season that favors teams like Philly and Boston that are, um, you know, kind of energetic young teams that are going to play with a high level of intensity most nights. But when you get in the playoffs, I think it favors, um, you know, because of the adjustments, um, you know, to a certain degree offensively, but, you know, certainly on, mostly on the defensive side of the ball, I think it favors, you know, the, the experienced teams and the veteran teams. And that's why you see, you know, teams like Cleveland and Golden State, in the NBA Finals again, because I think as the game slows down, possessions become more critical, and adjustments from game to game become more um, more important to the to the ultimate outcome. I think those 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 veteran teams, those experienced teams, um, you know, have more of the ability to do that from game to game. That coming from Dave Paziak. Dave, I'm going to let you get back to what you got to do because I know that you're busy here this morning in Vermont with the Linden State team and, and whatnot. So I want to thank you for coming on to the show. I like having you here after each of the games, so maybe we got to make it happen here. If Golden State ends up winning this one and it's three to nothing, it's it's not going to feel that that great of a series. But Golden State fans are going to feel very good once again. We'll see what LeBron can do and what those role players can do at home in Cleveland, Ohio. And obviously, we'll have you back on the show to talk about it. So as always. Always, Dave, I thank you for your time, and I appreciate it. 
Well, great to talk to you again, Dan. We'll speak with you soon. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. That coming from Dave Paziak. One more time, the Linden State's College Hornets men's basketball coach in Vermont. He was coaching here in central and upstate New York. That's how we met. He moved down to Vermont, a great opportunity out there. And I'm so happy to have him be a part of the show. And uh, we haven't missed a beat. He's been on the show for years. When I was on the score 1260, he was on the show throughout my time there. And then I've been doing this thing uh, since... I've been doing Wake Up Call with Dan Satora under my company since July of 2012. So we've had a very eventful and very exciting amount of years on this broadcast and, and having the opportunity to speak with great people like Dave Paziak. So I really do want to thank him so much for all that he has done and, and for being the amazing person that he is and as hardworking as he is. I want to make a quick note here in Wake Up Call with Dan Satora, kind of something interesting that's going on. Dino Baber's salary and Jim Beheim's salary is, is Syracuse is notorious for not releasing much of anything. But we now know, according to a federal tax filing by Syracuse University. This is how you get the information. You get your hands on federal tax filings. So that's what you have to do. You have to unless unless, you know, you don't file taxes. But Syracuse University files taxes obviously, so their federal tax filings are out there. And so we see that Dino Babers received 2.4 million dollars during his first year coaching the Syracuse Orange football team, which was back in 2016, received $2.4 million. Scott Schaefer received about half of that when he was the head coach previous to Dino Babers. So $2.4 million, and that puts Dino Babers 10th of the 14 coaches in the ACC. North Carolina's Larry Fedora, NC State's Dave Doran, Pitt's Pat Narduzzi, and Wake Forest Dave Clawson are all below $2.4 million that Dino Babers had, and then there's nine above Dino Babers. So this is the 2017 contracts. Well, we're looking at different figures. So the public school salaries are 2017, private schools are 2015. Babers got $2 million in base salary and $280,000 in performance bonuses. As far as Jim Beheim goes, JB received $2.7 million most recently reported in compensation. He had made $2.15 million the previous season. He gets $2.2 million in base salary and $260,000 in performance bonuses. So that's a little bit interesting here. I think we can agree with each other, though, but Jim Beheim's not the highest-paid person on Syracuse's campus. That's Lou Marcosia, who is the executive vice president and chief financial officer who was making $2.9 million in compensation. So just a little bit interesting here that we get some information on who made what and what the heck was going on. Quentin Hillsman made 18 or part 18 $829,316 in this federal tax filing and Hopkins made $611,382 who's now over in Washington so I find it a little bit interesting here that 
we get some information thanks to a federal tax filing that Dino Babers, and, and just to put that into perspective, I'm going to look up right now the NCAA football coaches' salaries. Okay, we've talked about this before on the show, but we're just going to we're going to go with it. Okay, Dino makes two point four million dollars. Okay, most recently reported, first season made two point four million dollars. Nick Saban's the number one highest paid coach, makes eleven point one million dollars a year. Dabo Sweeney from Clemson inside the ACC and in the same division as Syracuse makes $8.5 million a year. Jim Harbaugh's number three from Michigan makes $7 million a year. Urban Meyer from Ohio State makes, makes $6.4 million a year. Arizona's Rich Rodriguez makes $6 million a year. Florida State Jimbo Fisher, when he was there, made $5.7 million a year. Now he's going to bump up almost $2 million. Stanford's David Shaw made $5.6 million a year. Texas's Tom Herman, who I interviewed for years when he was at Houston, he made about $5.5 million. TCU's Gary Patterson made $5.1 million. Kevin Sumlin, while he was at Texas A&M, made $5 million. Auburn's Gus Malzahn made $4.7 million. Penn State's James Franklin made $4.6 million. These are all above Dino Babers. Iowa's Kirk Ferentz made $4.55 million. Mississippi State's Dan Mullen, who's now with Florida, made $4.5 million. Florida's Jim McElwain, before he got fired, made $4.45 million. Michigan State's Mark D'Antonio made $4.39 million. Arkansas's Brent Belima made $4.2 million. O- Oklahoma State's Mike Gundy, $4.2 million. Washington's Chris Peterson, $4.12 million. Tennessee's Butch Jones, before getting fired, $4.1 million. Louisville's Bobby Petrino in the same division as Syracuse inside the ACC. The Atlantic Division makes $3.9 million. Kentucky's Mark Stoops made $3.76 million. Georgia's Kirby Smart made $3.75 million. Utah's Kyle Whittingham made $3.687 million. UCLA's Jim Mora made $3.55 million. West Virginia's Dana Holgerson, $3.5 million. Texas Tech's Cliff Kingsbury, $3.5 million. Minnesota's P.J. Fleck, $3.5 million. LSU's Ed Ogeron, $3.5 million. Virginia's Bronco Mendenhall inside the ACC, like Syracuse, $3.4 million. And he's turned the program around to a bowl team in just a couple seasons. Purdue's Jeff Brown, $3.3 million. Northwestern's Pat Fitzgerald, $3.3. Virginia Checks Dust... My good Lord, I can't speak this morning. Virginia Tech's Justin Fuente, who I covered at Memphis and at Virginia Tech. At Virginia Tech inside of the ACC, $3.25 million a year. Arizona State's Todd Graham, $3.2. Kansas State's Bill Snyder, $3.2. Wisconsin's Paul Christ, who I knew at Pittsburgh, $3.2. South Carolina's Will Muschamp, $3.1. Washington State's Mike Leach, $3.075. And so on and so forth. Georgia Tech's Paul Johnson makes almost $3 million a year. And he didn't have a great season. Steve Adazio makes a little bit over $2.4 million, so he's above... Dino Babers, he's also made a bowl game in four of the last five seasons. And then we go all the way down to Syracuse. So that is where we stand. Dino Babers making $2.4 million in his first season with Syracuse. And Jim Beheim making under $3 million. And you might call me crazy, but I think most people that have ever heard of Jim Beheim would call me very accurate. 
That man should be making seven to eight million dollars. But he's not. Rick Patino, when he was coaching, he was a former assistant to Jim Beheim. He's making that bank. John Calipari and Jim Beheim have the same amount of national championships for inside the NCAA tournament. One. <laughs> and John Calipari's making that. Let me let me just do this really quick. Let me do NCAA basketball salary, should I? Because I really want you to get a feel for this. Since we did the Dino Baber side of things and you saw how far he fell on the list. Okay. Mike Shashevsky of Duke is the highest paid coach, according to everything that we know. And this is USA Today numbers. I want to thank USA Today for both both the coaches' salaries in collegiate football and in men's basketball. Mike Shashevsky almost nine million a year. John Calipari seven point nine nine million a year. Chris Holtman of Ohio State seven point one million. Then there's a massive drop. The top three make seven million or more a year. Kansas's Bill Self drops down to 4.9. Michigan State's Tom Izzo, 4.3. Arizona's Sean Miller, 4.05. West Virginia's Bob Huggins, 3.76. Utah's Larry Kraskowiak, 3.39. Michigan's John Beeline makes more than Jim Beheim, 3.37. Indiana's Archie Miller, 3.2. Oklahoma's Lon Kruger, 3.1. Texas's Shaka Smart, who came from VCU, 3.1. Wichita State's Greg Marshall, 3 million. Virginia's Tony Bennett, 3 million. Alabama, Avery Johnson, $2.89 million. Baylor Scott Drew, $2.87 million. South Carolina's Frank Martin, $2.85 million. Illinois' Brad Underwood, $2.75 million. Virginia Tech's Buzz Williams, $2.75 million. So that would put Bayheim at 20. And do you think that Bayheim is the 20th best coach in college basketball? I would venture that most of you with a brain that aren't just saying it because you hate Syracuse would say that Jim Bayheim is a little bit, a little bit, better than some of those other coaches that we've seen. Orange Avenger said, Jim's salary tells me two things. Number one, how much Jim loves coaching for Syracuse. And number two, how greedy the university is. Amen, amen. All right, all right. We'll take a step aside here for a fast break. $2.7 million for a coach who's won over 1,000 games and made it to the final four in every single decade that he's coached including twice from 2013 and 2016 and this past season in the sweet 16 with a team that played with five and a half or six players depending on the day and <laughs> Jim Beheim gets paid 2.7 million dollars 2.7 million dollars for Jim Beheim. wow 2.7, that's why he does all those commercials and has all those opportunities. If I was Jim, I'd be doing a commercial for everybody to try and get my salary up to a respectable number. 2.7 million, it's nothing to scoff at that he's making almost 3 million a year, but you mean to tell me that he can't hang up? Who are the two coaches with the most wins in college basketball if you don't do what the NCAA does and erase history that already happened? Mike Krzyzewski and Jim Beheim. Mike Shashevsky and Jim Beheim, but Mike Shashevsky is the highest-paid coach at almost nine million a year, and Jim Beheim is 
just inside of the top 20. Just makes the top 20. I find that very sad. I'll take a step aside here. In keeping with Syracuse, we're going to talk about a 2020 recruit who's very high on Syracuse. That's 2020 athlete, plays cornerback and safety. His name is DJ Thompson, and he is going one-on-one with me in just a moment. This is a wake-up call, Fast Break. This is Jimmer Sikowski, owner-operator of Chick-fil-A Cicero, 7916 Brewerton Road in Cicero, right in front of the Home Depot. I had a deep feeling that God wanted me to do something bigger with my life and to help people, help others. I kept putting Chick-fil-A in my life, and I realized as I was going through the franchise selection process that uh, positively impacting the lives of others was really core to what we do here at Chick-fil-A. First of all, it starts with the food. The food is brought in fresh daily you know we bring in local produce we prepare to order in the kitchen we hand bread our chicken we hand spin our milkshakes it's it's great food it doesn't taste like fast food i I think the second thing is is the way people feel when they come in a chick-fil-a restaurant it's different we we try to treat people with intentional kindness here which is very different and deeper than good customer service and so i think it feels remarkable for most people to come in a Chick-fil-A restaurant. And then lastly, the impact that we try to have in the community is very different. It's a big part of the expectation of every operator of a Chick-fil-A restaurant is that they're actively engaged in their community, they're a leader in the community, and they're, they're making a difference. When they realize that what we're striving to do is to shine a little light in their life, that's a very, very different experience uh, than you will have in any other quick service restaurant. And it's that remarkable experience that I think people will emotionally connect with. Hi, this is Domenico Vitali, owner of Giovanni's Formalware, where you look great and feel even better with our renowned tailoring and alteration services on any suit or any tuxedo from anywhere. Call 315-455-8729. That's 315-455-8729. Stop in locally on Route 11 in North Syracuse next to the Ponderosa Plaza where you can choose your style, get fitted, and tailored, all at Giovanni's Formalware. I'm George Townsend of Honda City with some good advice from buying a new car. The true cost of owning a new car is determined by the appraised value when you trade it. No vehicle appraises higher than a Honda. Next, look for low APRs and deep discounts. You also want low maintenance costs and great fuel economy. That's why my advice to you is to buy a new Honda. Looking pre-owned, visit our Honda Certified Used Car Center. Honda City, 7140 Henry Clay Boulevard, Liverpool, or HondaCityDashCNY.com. For all of us that have always wanted our favorite restaurant to come to us, it's now a reality in Central New York with It's a Utica Thing, with Utica Pizza Company bringing their wonderful recipes that they've handed down through generations to you, to your event, to your business, to your home. It's a Utica Thing, proudly bringing Utica Pizza Company on wheels to your location. Call 315-738-8946. That's 315-738-8946 to bring Utica Pizza Company to your doorstep with It's a Utica Thing. 
back here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. Proud to be here with you every Monday through Friday from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. And becoming a member is very easy. Go to MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. Anywhere in the country, anywhere in the world, click on follow and you'll connect yourself to the broadcast and be emailed every single time the show goes live to listen on any device. We're happy to have here one of the members of the incoming recruiting class of 2020, and that is DJ Thompson as a safety as well as a cornerback from Somerset Silver Palms in Florida, and happy to have him on the broadcast. He just had an opportunity to travel around and see a bunch of different schools, one of those being Syracuse, and we will discuss that in just a moment. Let's bring him in first. DJ, how you doing today? I'm doing well. And DJ, you know, I mean, you're a young guy in this thing. It's crazy. It feels like recruiting starts when people are 12 years old or 14 years old and whatnot. To be 16 and be in these situations where you go around and get to visit so many different schools, I know you went on a trip to see FAU, Florida, FSU, FAMU, Georgia, Tennessee, Syracuse, Kentucky, and Ohio State. What's the experience like for you? Because most 16-year-olds are trying to get their driver's license and maybe getting their first cell phone, where you are traveling around trying to see what your future could be in football. What's the experience been like? Um, it's been really exciting because I, like, coming out of the season with the injury, I really did not expect any of this. But I'm just trying to look forward and get like get stuff done next season i'm more focused on like what i can do next season for my team than really like the recruitment that comes along with it because it's going to come regardless and bring me into the injury and, and just what you've gone through and, and what the rehab has been like well it was during a practice one time and somebody came and clipped me while going for a tackle i was going for it. and i tore i tore my acl and I had to get surgery on it, and I was only it was only three games in, so it was it was a hard time. And then surgery, surgery was a hard time as long as we rehab, and um, I'm finally like able to be back at least on the seven on seven scene, and going to all these camps. I'm really ready to make a mark. And bring me into that. I mean, tearing your ACL, obviously, that's that's one of the toughest things to go through as an athlete of any sport. Just how you handled it in the beginning and, and and how you've handled the process through, was was it something that kind of challenged you and created adversity? Did it shake you up at all in the beginning? Have you been level-headed throughout? Just kind of how you've handled going through something like this, which I know can be very tough on an athlete, anybody in general, but especially somebody that's a student-athlete like yourself looking to obviously have a future in the sport. Um, well, I was just, at first, it was it was shocking because I didn't realize like I was always scared for something like that to happen because I've always heard it would like end careers and stuff like that. And as the doctors and my parents and all my teammates and coaches, they helped me through it. And I realized I was able to come back sooner than I actually thought because they said I would have twelve months to be out. But I'm back playing seven on seven eight months in. So now I'm just ready to. Um, I'm ready to to straighten straighten up my leg, and I'm able to come back and like come get what I come came for. 
Speaking here with DJ Thompson, a part of the incoming recruiting class of 2020 at the safety and cornerback positions. Like you said, it's supposed to take 12 months. It's been eight months in, and you're back in seven on seven. What can you say about it? Do you feel like it was rushed at all? Was it just your dedication and saying, I got to get back on the field? I mean, we've heard stories about like Adrian Peterson, where it's supposed to take a year and it took him eight months. Just bring me into how you got yourself back on the field faster than they had anticipated you would. Um, well, I was, I had a mindset of getting back as soon as possible. I actually, I had, to, I looked that up one time about Adrian Peterson coming back eight months in, and I was thinking if he's able to do it, I was able to do it too, because I, I only played three games, so my highlight tape wasn't as, as good as it, I wanted it to be. So I knew it was uh, only a matter of time until I come back, and I knew I had a lot of stuff to do to get ready for next season. And to get that first offer that you just got recently here toward the end of March from Florida A&M, just bring me into that, what that offer means to you. Like you said, if I do what I got to do and, you know, you had to rehab and, and continue to get your body right and get your body ready and that you can only control what you can control and that the recruiting, what you can't control, is going to come. What can you say about getting that first offer from Florida A&M? Um, I would, like... It came earlier than I expected it to be. I expected it more like near the end of junior year since, like I said, my highlight tape wasn't as good as I wanted it to be. But the opportunities, the opportunity came for me to go on this trip. I knew I had to go on this trip. And just being at the right place at the right time and talking to all the, talking to all the coaches, talking to the players that were there, it was, a, it was a good experience and it ended off with me walking away with, with my first offer. And bring me into how the offer happened with FAMU. Um, it was a group of us. It was like seven, seven, eight people. So we we came to the school. We were just coming off of FSU and we stopped by to talk to the coaches and stuff. He asked for where we were from and stuff like that. Like, you know, he wanted, like he wanted to question us. And then he... He was saying how he always loved the kids down from South Florida. He knew they always had a heart, and he knew that they were always going to be college ready. So he offered, like, whoever didn't have an offer got one. And it was about four of us because he saw us. He knew, like, he believed in us right away. And and what can you say, speaking here with DJ Thompson, what made them believe in you right away? I mean, what can you say about – that you know, like you said, in that opportunity to get the offer for the few of you that didn't have one yet, what made them believe so quickly? In your opinion, um, I believe it was from our demeanor and how how the people before us coming down from South Florida how they like set the set the pace for all South Florida kids. You know, have that different sort of fire and swag. How uh, we come out onto the football field and we just do what we have to get done. And, and bring me into this trip that you had that, that I had mentioned a little bit ago, speaking here with DJ Thompson, cornerback and safety in the 2020 incoming recruiting class coming out of Florida and playing for Somerset Silver Palms currently. Bring me into the trip and just what you can say about this trip and how it came about and who kind of put it all together to get you guys around the state of Florida and, and even outside of Florida and, and up to the uh, up the eastern coast and a little bit out midwest as well. Um, it started off with how seven on seven season was approaching, 
And I knew I wasn't able to play and stuff like that. But I still went out to, like, support the 7-on-7 team Hard Knocks. And I went out and I was talking to the CEO, Derek Lester. And he was talking about how he was planning a trip and how he wanted, he wanted, like, certain, like, he wanted kids to go and, like, experience, like, these, uh, visits and stuff like that. And then my, also my, my coach, Teron Coulson, he, he, he basically, he was promoting me. He, like, he, he wanted me to go because he knew it would be a great opportunity for, for me to go on this trip. And so I contacted him, you know, there was those fees obviously like because we had to pay for gas and stuff like that but it was i feel like it was worth it in there and when you went on this trip dj and you had the opportunity to you know see the schools that you got to see fau florida fsu famu who you got the offer from georgia tennessee kentucky ohio state and syracuse who stuck out the most to you on that list um i feel like syracuse uh kentucky Tennessee, those 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 three schools stuck out to me the most. I feel like it was it was a great hospitality shown by them. Um, I loved the environment out there. I loved how they ran practice. You know, everything. It felt like somewhere I would like to be in two two years to come, two three years, two and a half years. And I want to start with uh, you mentioned three three of those schools. I want to start with Kentucky. What was special about Kentucky when you went to visit? Um, I like the, like, the fire into the, in the practices and, like, how they got stuff done. It was organized. I like how, like, their, their facilities there, it was, it was awesome. You know, I like how, I like how the team, like, they stood together. Like, it was, it was, like, full team commitment. Everybody was hustling. And it was just a fun experience to be up there. And as far as Tennessee, just what you can say about what set them apart, in your opinion? Um, the facilities, definitely, and, like, the hospitality. When we got there, they had they already had food and stuff waiting for us, our tags, everything. It was, like, the whole the whole tour ran smoothly. The coaches the coaches uh, were also fired up. The, player, the players, they were cool. They related to us because some of them were down from South Florida. And, you know, it was just, it was a good experience over there. And as far as Syracuse, which is the farthest north that you had gone, what, what makes Syracuse special? Um, the environment and the hospitality. We we were just coming from Ohio State, so we got there around around 6, 6.30. They had, um, Lester had reached out to them, um, trying to see if they wanted us to come back the next day. And we decided to actually, they they had towels and stuff ready for us, and we actually showered inside the in the locker room shower, and they had food waiting on us as well, and they had the whole they had the whole tour set up. They had you know the trying on of the equipment and stuff. They had they had us meeting with our the position coaches. They had like they just had everything over there. And like you said, you know, you were you guys were thinking about going the next day, but they had everything ready for you and accommodated you. What did that mean to you when Syracuse went out of their way to make sure that they could be ready for you maybe a little bit sooner? Just just how you took that whole situation. I feel like if they were able to accommodate us like that just as recruits, 
I feel like like it would be safe for some of us there as players, like how they would be able to treat us, how they'll be able to take care of us, make sure we're academically like sound, you know, how we're athletically sound, you know, be ready for the games and be able for us to pass our classes. And and you had, you know, speaking here with DJ Thompson class incoming recruiting class of 2020 safety and corner for Somerset Silver Palms down in Florida. Syracuse is, it's kind of interesting here because you're obviously, I mean, you're 16, you got plenty of time, you're, you're coming in 2020, but your profile picture on Twitter that people could check out at D1 Davey, you know, they can see that you're, you're wearing number nine and you're wearing a Syracuse Jersey, you're you're in full Syracuse garb. Bring me into this photo shoot and why you felt like this was the thing that you wanted to put on your social media. Um, I really liked how they had it all set up. You know, they had a they had a paper say, saying like what like what kind of uniform we wanted, like what cleats, what like different color, anything. They were saying, um, I like how they had it all set up for us. Um, I felt. Like I felt it was my first time doing those type, one of those type of photo shoots, so it was obviously like very special to me because I felt like um, this was just the beginning of it, and Syracuse kind of like set the tone for like what's to come with my recruitment. And when you experienced that, like you said, it was your first photo shoot and kind of set the tone for you. What what kind of sticks out for you in that respect, and will it will it kind of remain special because it was your first time that you got to do it? Yeah, I feel like it will always be like special to me as long as as well as um FAMU for being the first to offer me. I feel like if I ever get offered offered by Syracuse, those two will be like one of the top top schools I'll end up um thinking about when signing day comes in two years. And it makes sense that, you know, with with uh, Florida A and M FAMU with them being your first offer, why they would be special. Why would Syracuse, if they offered you, why would they jump up right there with, with FAMU to be just as special and, and on that same wavelength, so to speak? Because it was just how I felt at each college and how Syracuse, I felt I felt the best over there. I felt like I would be able to stay there for three, four years, um, getting my degree and stuff like that. I felt, I felt like it felt like home. And and what made it feel so much like home to you? Um, the hospitality that I'm taking care of is how how good we felt with the players. Um, everything. Um, as well as uh, I don't know. It just besides besides the cold, it felt like being right at home. You know, going like visiting FIU or something like that. You know how we like we felt loved there. Um, it it just felt like it felt amazing. And speaking here with DJ Thompson once again, who are some of the teammates that got to be with you on this on this trip that got to take you to so many different schools? Um, Narada Graham, uh, I know Jermaine Taylor, both of them from both of them from Miami Killian, uh, Ramon Smith from from Homestead. I know there's Najee Baker and Joe Smith from the South Dade. And also Kay, uh, Kayvon Latiker from South Dade as well. 
So having this, that, that it wasn't, you know, teammates, but it was just people from, you know, in different schools. What did that mean to you, too, to be around, you know, people that you're going up against on the field in games during the season, and then you all get to have this experience together? What was that like for you? Um, I feel like it brought us, like, it started newfound friendships because I didn't really know uh, many of them that well. I felt like um, it's something that we could always be able to talk about because it was just, um, it was a like something life-changing. And before I let you go, DJ, to speak on Somerset Silver Palms, just what you like about the school, what you like about the opportunity and the team, the staff, just, just what's special about Somerset to you? Um, it's always been like a home to me since being there in ninth grade. Um, our coaches really have something set up, planned for us. And academically, it's one of the best schools I've ever been to. So, and and knowing that you have, you know, you have a bunch of time in this respect as you move forward. What do you? What can you say are your best attributes at the strong safety and corner positions? And then at the same time, the areas you want to work on the most. So, what are the best attributes you have as a member of the secondary? And what areas do you want to work on? Um, I'm more like fluid, mobile. Um, I'm more like aggressive when it comes to tackling. Like I can be a for sure tackler, and I would like to like work more on my speed since me being like under six foot, I'm probably undersized. So it's so it's so like I would feel more comfortable if I was running more like a four three four four instead of running a four five. And and as you move forward with this, just what you could say about you know what you've what 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 you're most excited about with this because. You know, like I said, being a 16-year-old kid, you got time to, to go through this and, and time to enjoy this, and, and you have some time to make your decision. What are you most excited about with what's to come and just what you could say about the experience so far? Um, I'm more excited about, like, what's the next two seasons to come up and how how my recruitment will end up being uh, after these next two years, after these seasons, and... I'm just excited for the for everything that's going to happen soon. That coming from DJ Thompson one more time, class of 2020 incoming safety and corner from Somerset Silver Palms. DJ, I appreciate you taking some time with me and, and appreciate you know the opportunity to speak with you and would love to have you back on the show as I know that your story has only just begun and I look forward to more offers for you and, and more opportunities. We'd love to have you back on the show. Of course. Um, thank you for having me on the show. All right, man. Have a good day. You too. This is a wake-up call. Fast break. Gear up with the real deal at Drysig Apparel. Creating what people are going to see and learn about you before they even meet you. Gear up for what you need for your team, business, or event. To look professional, look good, and feel good, outfit yourself at drysigapparel.com. That's D-R-E-I-S-S-I-G apparel.com. The only place to gear up with the real deal. What's the universal language of a fan? Clapping your hands with fan hands. 
the ultimate sports fan accessory. Find your team color, slip them on, and start cheering on your favorite team with 11 different colors always in stock on fanhands.com where you'll find the ultimate sports fan accessory. Real fans wear fan hands. Utica Pizza Company spells family. Your family. My family. Their family. The recipes that they have shared with each other throughout the years and have now been so gracious to share them with us. I can sit here and talk with you about all the great things that are on the menu. We'd be here forever. So let me say this. Utica Pizza Company is second to none. And now you can bring it home with you and you can dine in in the restaurant. UticaPizzaCompany.com will give you all the information that you need. And let me say, these Utica Greens, they're the best. Utica Pizza Company. Call them and place your order at 315-214-3060. That's 315-214-3060. Families break bread at Utica Pizza Company. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on WakeUpCallDT.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on MixLR.com backslash WakeUpCallDT. I want to give a special thanks to DJ Thompson for spending some time with me on the broadcast here this morning. DJ Thompson having an opportunity to visit a bunch of different schools, as you heard us speak about, one of those schools being Syracuse University, and he got his first uh, verbal offer from Florida A&M University, Mm -hmm. first opportunity there in that respect. So very excited about what's to come for the cornerback and safety out of Somerset Silver Palms 2020, 16 years old, but still got a huge, huge love for Syracuse here. And uh, that's pretty awesome. So I'm excited about the opportunity of continuing to speak with DJ Thompson. He put something out over the weekend that got a lot of Syracuse fans very excited, which is a statement that he made. It said, uh, it said, uh, Davo, what school you wish would offer me any, but if I had one choice and he's wearing a Syracuse shirt and so many Syracuse fans responded to that. Uh, he got a bunch of likes off of that and retweets and whatnot. And ironically, Got to put him on the show today. So DJ Thompson, 2020, cornerback and safety out of Somerset in the state of Florida, hoping for an opportunity to play collegiate football. And Syracuse is one of those teams that he's highly interested in, which I find uh, pretty amazing since he's been all over the place. Jim Kelly has hit the news recently here, so I want to take a Look at this. He will be honored with the Jimmy V Award. This has just been announced. So Jim Kelly will be receiving the Jimmy V Award at the ESPYs this July. He said, God willing, I'll be there, which is pretty sad because I know that Jim's been going through a lot. And and obviously, you know, you want nothing but the best for Jim Kelly. But he will be receiving the Jimmy V Award which is really awesome. And, and Jimmy, Jimmy V, Jim Valvano, you know, there's something that he said that never left me. And that's the, if you think, laugh, and cry in a day, you've had one hell of a day. And, uh, you know, in, in, in a great day, a great opportunity in that sense. So I'm very, uh, very, uh, this this is amazing. And it's it's got to be an honor for 
Jim Kelly to be receiving the Jim the Jimmy V award. You know, this this award of of never ever giving up and always believing in oneself and and no matter what your odds are, the insurmountable odds that you feel that you may have, just just what you can do. I mean, Jim Kelly for goodness sakes. I mean, Jim Kelly has been one of the greatest that ever lived, you know, you speak on the type of person that he is. And I have kind of an interesting story is that my mom was, uh, when she was working in one of her jobs in the past that she is, she's no longer at, my mom had the opportunity to go to an event that had Jim Kelly and his brother. And I believe that it was for autism because of Jim Kelly's son and so my mom got to go to this event, and she got Jim Kelly's autograph. She brought it home to me, and she just put it out uh, for me there and was like, you know, I had an opportunity. And she had met, I think she had met Jim's brother before, and she got to meet him a second time, and this time she got the autograph. So I have Jim Kelly's autograph in my house because of my mom and, and how wonderful my mom is, and obviously for a good cause. So I'm very, very excited that Jim Kelly former Buffalo Bills quarterback that so many people know and love in Central and Upstate New York will receive the Jimmy V Award at the ESPYs. So, you know, great award, and, and it is. It's a great award representing a great positive influencer. In Jimmy V. So you know, this this really is something special, and to know that Jim Kelly has been through so much and had to endure so much. I mean, my prayer and my hope is that he is healed completely. My prayer and my hope is that he never has a tough day for the rest of his life. My prayer and my hope is that Jim Kelly will have so many years to go here and that I could be around him because I've never interviewed him. So I'd love the opportunity to interview him and, and just get to meet him and be around him. You know, that would be an absolute honor and a privilege. That would be all mine. So, you know, with that being said, I'm, I'm very excited to share with you that within the last, what, five minutes at this point, Jim Kelly was announced that he'll be the recipient of the Jimmy V award. So I'm very I'm very excited about this. Jim Kelly's going to be getting that. So I want to take a look into this for a second. I just put up the report here that he's going to do that sharing that on our social media so that everybody knows here about Jim Kelly here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on wakeupcalldt.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on mixlr.com backslash wakeupcalldt. His son, Chad Kelly, trying to find a place in the NFL. He was drafted to the Denver Broncos, not this year, but the season before, and you know, obviously hoping the best for him as well. He said, quote, I've been through a lot, but I know that I don't have it that bad. I made it to the 32nd annual Jim Kelly Celebrity Classic, and that's what counts, Kelly Tough. So that was a quote from Jim Kelly coming from the Buffalo Bills. He'll be honored with the Jimmy V Award, like I was just stating here, and very excited 
recovering from cancer, Jim Kelly goes to his own classic and is playing golf. And this was uh, four minutes ago. Recovering from cancer and out there kicking butt, taking names, as only Jim Kelly can. If there's anybody that, you know, if you need somebody to look to when you're going through a tough time, look at Jim Kelly. I mean, Jim Kelly is the epitome of the fight. You know, we want to talk about this player and that player and this guy and the other guy and how many touchdowns did this guy have and should this guy be in the Hall of Fame and <clears throat> did this quarterback do this at this time and was it the best that it could be? And the, I mean, we say so many different things, but, you know, Tom Brady wore the number 12, and before that happened, Jim Kelly wore it, and he wore it damn well. So, you know, not to take anything away from Tom Brady by any stretch of the imagination, but we talk about Tom Brady, and we talk about, you know, number 12. And Jim Kelly wore number 12, and even though he made it to a bunch of Super Bowls and didn't win any of them, he has fought cancer, and he has fought hard and he is standing here today somehow some way by what I call the grace of God and that's the story that's the story that's the my lord and savior you are good and I pray with everything inside of me that you will heal Jim Kelly fully and completely so that he may live out the rest of his long life healthy, safe, and happy and filled with your amazing love every single step of the way. That's my prayer. That's my prayer 110% for Jim Kelly. So just remember that. There's a guy that wears number 12 today who's really, 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 really good. And there's another guy who wore number 12 back in the day who was really, 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 really good and is still doing a lot of amazing things. So big ups to Jim Kelly and his continued fight. I hope nothing but the best for you, sir, as you move forward in your life. I hope nothing but the best for you. And like I said, I hope the opportunity to finally get to sit down and meet with him because that would be great. Keeping with the NFL, I want to take a look at some people that are still available or, or look at it's Looking at some of these opportunities here. So, some that are still available and uh, on the market and whatnot. I want to take a look at the free agents that have not been signed for the NFL. And take a little look at who is still available out there. You know, you may be surprised with some of these names, but... You know, some of these guys, I mean, they just, things have not worked out. You know, in the case of Des Bryant, I'm very shocked that nobody will give him a little bit of a chance, somewhat of a chance. It, it kind of shocks me a little bit here that he is not getting an opportunity as of yet. So, you know, it's just, uh, it's weird. It's strange. I don't get it but this is where we stand right now. 
So of the free agents that are available, Des Bryant obviously at the top of this list. Very surprised that nobody's picked up on Des Bryant. I feel like there's some teams that could utilize him that he could fit with. You know, I think that the team that needs him the most is the Dallas Cowboys, as ironic and as funny as that is. But, you know, the Jets can put him onto the team. I mean, they have Sam Darnold now as their quarterback. You look at teams like the Patriots in resuscitating careers. The Dolphins, I don't think it would be good for him, but it would be good for the Dolphins in trying to find some names on offense as they once again rebuild. I mean, after Zach Thomas and Jason Taylor, they tried to rebuild, and it didn't really work. And now they're trying to rebuild again and getting rid of all the other names except for Ryan Tannehill, but they got rid of Jarvis Landry, their number one wide receiver, and got rid of their number one running back, Jay Ajayi, who just won a Super Bowl with the Eagles. So Miami's trying to shave it down and start again again. And I have to look to see what actually happens from here on out. So, I mean, Miami could be a landing spot, but not that he would want to go there. Cincinnati, they've never had a true... Number two to A.J. Green, that could be helpful. Be a big boost to A.J. Green's fantasy numbers, potentially. Baltimore Ravens aren't going to do it because allegedly that fell through. Cleveland Browns could stand to make some moves and do this. They already have a bunch of guys out there. I'm surprised that they haven't made a push for this. Pittsburgh Steelers, I don't see it happening. I mean, it, it could happen and could be something cool, but I don't see them wanting to deal with it. The Houston Texans, they need help to DeAndre Hopkins for sure. The Indianapolis Colts need help. The Jacksonville Jaguars, they got a bunch of guys. I, I call them the no-names in the in the nicest of ways because they're like the Island of Misfit toys who you don't want to play against. So, But the Jaguars could, you know, that's that's an option. I don't know how Tom Coughlin would feel about, feel about it because Des Bryant has allegedly been an issue before. The Tennessee Titans, they got a bunch of guys. I feel like you get lost in translation. Denver, no. Kansas City, probably not. The Chargers, they're trying to figure out their receiving core right now, so I don't know if that would work with him. And then the Oakland Raiders, I don't think, eh, you know, I can't put it past John Gruden, but he hasn't made the move yet. Seattle Seahawks could always stand to gain and this opportunity could give him another shot at the playoffs. The 49ers, I'm surprised because I don't really like the receiving core. The Los Angeles, as far as you know, who's going to be the number one, two, three guy. The Los Angeles Rams, they could stand to gain from this. Arizona could stand to gain from this, but they're going to be moving on from Larry Fitzgerald into Christian Kirk. So I don't know if they would do it. Tampa Bay could stand to gain from this. Carolina, Chicago's made a bunch of moves, so I don't think they'd make this move. Detroit, it would be interesting since Detroit's dealt with is it a touchdown or is it not, and so has Dallas, and Des Bryant was on the side of that one. Green Bay's probably not going to make the move. Minnesota's probably not going to make the move. Washington could make some sense. The Giants, they haven't made the plunge, and I don't know if they're, you know, with the Giants, I don't know what this marriage with Odell Beckham Jr. is going to look like in the future, but I just named like half of the NFL that could stand to gain from Des Bryant, so the fact that somebody won't give him a, a million dollars or two million dollars and let him come out and play is kind of beyond me at this point. I'm very confused. I understand that he's very frustrated, I'm sure, with this entire situation. Uh, Martellus Bennett, I heard kind of some horror, horror stories with Martellus that he was, you know, he, he 
was on New England, and then he left New England, went to Green Bay, played with Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers got injured, so he didn't want to play. So now he's back in New England, and now he's a free agent and hasn't really done much of anything. DeMarco Murray, you know, here's the thing with DeMarco. Great season with Dallas, horrible season with Philadelphia, pretty good season with Tennessee, horrible second season with Tennessee, which would mean that the bouncing ball would say he would have a good season this year. I'm surprised that somebody won't at least put him in training camp, which they eventually probably will. Julius Thomas, we saw that he really didn't fit in with Jacksonville. I thought it could have been a mistake on Jacksonville's part. Then he went to Miami and didn't do much anything. I think health is an issue too. So I don't know what lies in his future, but I can't imagine that he'll be out there. Richie Incognito, my this bless his heart, this man has has been the epitome of of being two different people at the same time, and I don't know if anybody's going to take a flyer on him. Antonio Gates, yeah, I would imagine that he's going to be retiring. Brandon Marshall, a little surprised here because he's coming back from injury from the Giants, so I'm a little surprised since the Giants never really got to see what he could be like with Odell and Sterling Shepard, why they would not pick him up because I'm sure he doesn't cost that much, so that's confusing. Jeremy Macklin's only 30 years old, and I think in the right system he could make some sense, but he's still out there. You know, uh, other NFL guys still out there. Eric Decker, this guy gets hurt a lot. That's the issue. That's like the that's that's like the black mark on his career, but outside of that, I like what he can do. I mean, I, I like that Eric Decker made Ryan Fitzpatrick look great. Fitz, in the same respect, made Eric Decker look great. Eric had good times with Peyton Manning. Eric Decker had good times with Ryan Fitzpatrick. He had good times and moments with Marcus Mariota. I think that he could fit in anybody's system and be, you know, the, the third option or whatever. So maybe even the second at times if he stays healthy. But that's the issue is he has to stay healthy. Adrian Peterson, he kind of looked like a headache with the New Orleans Saints. So I can't imagine that anybody's really going to want to take a big-time flyer on this guy. They might scoop him up late. You know, it's kind of funny that the Patriots could could put him on there. They already have, like, five backs, but they could throw him into the mix and be like, hey, dude, why don't you come out here and play with us? And, you know, they could use him sparingly. He stays healthy, and then he runs for a bunch of touchdowns and, you know, makes it into the Super Bowl or potentially close to the Super Bowl. be kind of funny and kind of like the last laugh for Adrian Peterson, so to speak, even though Adrian looked like the guy that was messing up the chemistry of the New Orleans Saints, and eventually they got rid of him, which I thought was the right decision. Jamal Charles, he had good times at Kansas City, and ever since he's gotten hurt, he's been pretty obsolete. He's still out there. Outside of that, Mark Sanchez, he's suspended too. He's, you know, God bless him. I I feel like he was the scapegoat. With the Jets, first two years, made it to the AFC Championship game. I think that a lot of what they did to him and how they treated him and how they kind of paraded him in the not best of lights affected his future. And now, unfortunately, he's affected his future, so that's sad. Uh, Michael Floyd, who played for the Arizona Cardinals, he's out there. He was supposed to play for the Vikings this year, but he was injured most of the time. I would be surprised if somebody doesn't at least get him into camp. He's 28 years old. Orleans Darkwa is only 26. I don't think he fit the Giants system. I don't know if the Giants knew what the hell their system was running the ball. So Orleans Darkwa, in my opinion, would make sense on somebody's team. I would like to see Orleans Darkwa playing somewhere. I, I've had this notion coming out of Tulane that he's, uh, he's better than how he's looked. So it would be nice to see somebody 
give him a chance to, you know, be what he can be. I'm looking through the list here of, of, of guys that are available here inside of the NFL and seeing if anybody else is going to stick out to me a little bit here. I know we've already named a bunch here on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora. Eli Rogers, very surprised. This guy's 25 years old. He's played three years in the NFL. And why he's not on a team right now, this is like Jacksonville, hello, spend a couple million dollars, put him on the team, get more depth at wide receiver just in case. You never know. And you don't have to play against him. You know, I think Pittsburgh not picking him up is pretty stupid, but he's still out there. Eli Rogers, very surprised. Looking and seeing if there's if there's anybody that I had missed here. You know, Mike James played for Tampa, played for Detroit. He's 27 years old. He's a running back. Maybe could find himself somewhere. Mike James, let me to kind of jog your memory of him. He played at Miami. He was picked in the sixth round, and he's only spent four years inside of the NFL. So not a lot of wear and tear on the back, and he hasn't been a starting back, and he hasn't been asked to run the ball 20 times a game. So, you know, Brandon Oliver, I'm surprised. 27 years old, short guy, awesome. Four years, went to college at UB, Buffalo. And I think maybe Buffalo should pick him up. Why the heck not? He did some good things for the Chargers. Buffalo picks him up. They don't have to ever worry about playing him inside of the AFC because he won't be on the Chargers anymore. And he's a scrappy guy who's kind of like a Darren Sproles who's found a way to get it done and do some really cool things when he's been asked to do it. And, And when the team... Speaking on the Chargers was without Melvin Gordon. He got some things done. He's not a fantasy stud, but he's capable in fantasy and reality. So I like to see him get an opportunity somewhere. And he went to UB, so Bills, give him a phone call. Nick Novak, this guy, bless his heart, 36 years old. He's a kicker. He was down with the Florida Tuskers in the United Football League that I covered and friends with my buddy Jason Lucas, who's been on the show before. Nick Novak is once again somehow, some way, a free agent, even though he's a very serviceable kicker. I'd love to see him get a job. Mike Nugent is out there too from Chicago. He also played with the Jets. But I would imagine Nick Novak's going to get some type of a phone call at some point this season if he hasn't already gotten a phone call in the time that we've been speaking here. So there's a lot of guys that are available and a lot of opportunities out there for some of these guys. You know, I want to look at... Just kind of as we move forward here, what makes sense for some of these guys, you know, and, and where they can go. And and right now, like I said, I mean, they're free agents. They're kind of just sitting and they're waiting. And, you know, Jeremy Macklin, I mean, there are. There's big names that come to mind. And it's just kind of a little bit shocking to me that the Eric Deckers and the Jeremy Macklins and the Des Bryants of the world don't have jobs yet, you know, that they don't have a place that they can call home at this point is is very surprising to me. Even Matt Moore at quarterback, I mean, he's another serviceable guy. You know, Alfred Morris, he could make some sense to going somewhere because Alfred Morris was supposed to be the guy in the Washington Redskins backfield. He didn't do everything that people were hoping 
that he was going to do, and he went on to Dallas. I think that Washington let him go too soon, and he went on to Dallas, and he was behind Darren McFadden, and then obviously Ezekiel Elliott, and it just never worked out for him. So I think it would be nice to see him get an opportunity And see him go somewhere. I know that Jarek McKinnon went to the 49ers, but Alfred Morris could make sense going to the 49ers as well. It's not bad. It's not a bad idea by any stretch of the imagination. But I think DeMarco Murray is going to find some place. I think Alfred Morris is going to find some place. Adrian Peterson, I don't know. I don't know if I want to deal with Adrian Peterson anymore. I really don't. I don't know if that's something that... I would want just because of, you know, and, and like I said, I don't know the inner workings of what happened in New Orleans. It just it just didn't feel right from the outside looking in. And for me, it just didn't it just didn't look good. And I don't know if I want to deal with, you know, and obviously he was the piece that wasn't working. He wanted, you know, you want to be out there, you want to play, you got to come through. He didn't. So Sean Payton and the crew moved on. They have Elvin Kamara and Mark Ingram, and that's a great one-two punch. And if they do anything close to what they did last year, then the only thing it's going to affect in a negative way is Drew Brees' passing numbers, but everybody else is going to be in good shape. So, you know, it's it's not it's not a bad idea, you know, for New Orleans to kind of just sit tight where they are, which, you know, that's it looks like, you know, they're they're obviously in a good position right now, and they're going to move forward from here to see what they can do. I, I think, you know, and, and Mercedes Lewis, he got picked up by Green Bay. I really like that, and I'm really happy for Mercedes. It kind of breaks my heart because Mercedes was the only thing connecting the old Jaguars that made the playoffs in 2008 to the Jaguars that did it a decade later in 2018. And how insane is that? How crazy is that? That the only guy of 53 players on the active roster Mercedes Lewis. There was only one player from the last time they made the playoffs. Which, you know, it sounds insane because it's like that was the only bridge leading to the old team and now that's gone. But then at the same time, you're like, well, would you want a bridge to the old team because they didn't make the playoffs that much? So that's totally understandable. Some notable free agents moves that have gone on. Orlando Skandrick left the Cowboys to stay in the division in the NFC East and go to the Washington Redskins. I thought that that was interesting. Demarcus Lawrence is a franchise player who's going to be staying with the Cowboys franchise tagged here as we moved forward with everything here. Taiwan Jones is staying with the Buffalo Bills in their backfield. I found that interesting. Jordan Matthews who was with the Philadelphia Eagles and then came over to the Bills last season. He is now a New England Patriot, so watch out for that. Shamarco Thomas from Syracuse, who's been on this show before, he was a Bill this past season, got to play in the playoffs up against the Jacksonville Jaguars, and he currently does not have a home. So praying and hoping the best for Shamarco Thomas. And then outside of that, I want to take a look at some of these other opportunities. Anthony Fasano, he had some moments early on in his career, but hasn't really caught on in Miami. But let's face it, Miami's 
had all kinds of offensive struggles and had to flip to a new coach. So I wouldn't put it all on Anthony Fasano, but you know he is still out there looking for an opportunity. You know Jarvis Landry no longer with the Dolphins anymore, which I find uh, very interesting. You know that the Jarvis Landry had moved on to the Cleveland Browns. I'm surprised. I'm surprised that Miami would let go of certain players, and at the same time, I'm not surprised that they would let go of them because for some odd reason, Miami just, you know, they seem to just, they don't make really great decisions when it comes to sports recently. I mean, in the past, but how long can you hold your hat on, you know, Irving Fryer and O.J. McDuffie and Karim Abdul-Jabbar and... Dan Marino and whatnot. I mean, how long, and Jason Taylor and Zach Thomas, how long can you hang your hat on what Miami was such a long time ago? Yeah, everybody wants to rip on Jacksonville, but in the state of Florida, Jacksonville's gotten better. Miami is a head-scratcher. We're going to take a step aside here for a fast break. We'll come back, and I will give you what's coming up the rest of the week on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora in just a moment. This is a Wake Up Call Fast Break. Hi, this is Kira from Looking Glass Events, where we're always giving you a reason to celebrate. Whether you have a small business, large business, personal event, or wedding, we are available to plan and coordinate your dream event to life. Every detail, every step, Looking Glass Events is working with you all the way. Call us at 315-702-4653. That's 315-702-4653. Or contact us through our website, lgweddingsandevents.com. Looking Glass Events giving you a reason to celebrate. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is located on 3680 Milton Avenue in the Home Depot Plaza. It is your family-friendly sports bar and restaurant. Folks, some sports bars aren't family-friendly. Some family-friendly restaurants are not sports bars. The Wildcat Sports Pub in Camillus, New York, is proud to be both. It is that marriage that you've been looking for for years. The Wildcat Sports Pub is your home base for your sports bar and restaurant needs, games for the kids, indoor and outdoor activities, and enough things on the menu to come back every single week and get to try something new. They're open Sundays from noon to 8 p.m., Monday through Wednesday, 11 a.m. to 11 p.m., and Thursday through Saturday from 11 a.m. to midnight. For reservations and party information, call 315 315- 487-2222 for the Wildcat family-friendly sports pub and restaurant. Welcome back here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on wakeupcalldt.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on mixlr.com backslash wakeupcalldt. Coming up this week on Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora, I'm very ecstatic Our segments, as you know, our signature ingredients to success segment, proudly presented by Utica Pizza Company and It's a Utica Thing, is every Tuesday around 10.50 a.m. Eastern Time to round out the show. So that'll, of course, be on this week. On Thursdays, our new segment that's a few weeks in, about a month in, Coaching with Class with Katie Kalinske, who spent seven seasons under Jim Bayheim with Syracuse Men's Basketball, from Dion Waiters all the way to... Tyus Battle, and so on and so forth. She will be on the show on Thursdays at 9.30 a.m. Eastern Time, so this week as well. We have moved our fantasy football conversation from Fridays of the last two years 
now to Thursdays to include Thursday night football and give you an extra day of preparation and give you more time to listen to it in the archives. So Mike Sofka of Hall of Fame Fantasy Football.com will now join me in the second hour of every Thursday broadcast instead of Friday, every Thursday from 10 to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Friday, annoying moment of the week at 9 a.m. is always proudly presented by Carvel DeWitt, our amazing longest standing partners. Uh, 9.30 a.m. Eastern Time, significant sound bites on Friday. And from now, 10 to 11 on Fridays, we're going to have our sports card segment with John Newman of Newman Sports Cards, which broadcasts live on MixLR.com backslash DT, where you're listening right now. It broadcasts live here and also on Facebook Live video as well. So, That is our segment that includes live video. It's our first segment that we've ever done totally live video and audio, and we've gotten a phenomenal response. So we look forward to continuing to grow that with you with John Newman of Newman Sports Cards every Friday from 10 to 11 a.m. Eastern Time on Facebook Live and here on MixLR.com backslash DT. So all that's coming up, and those are the things that you expect every single week. Also coming up, this week, Rodney Williams will be joining me. Rodney Williams has decided to move forward from Syracuse and head to Temple. He's going to spend his final season of eligibility for college football with the Temple Owls, a team that I know and a team that I cover, a team that I talk to weekly with their head coach, Jeff Collins. So Rodney Williams is heading to Temple, and he's going to be heading a wake-up call this week. 2019 defensive end that really likes Syracuse, Darius Robinson, is going to be joining me on the recruiting trail. And Juwan Dowles of Western Michigan, who was going to go, or who, pardon me, who came to Syracuse and spent some time in Syracuse and will now be moving forward to Western Michigan for his final season of eligibility. He played in the secondary with Rodney Williams, and now Rodney's going to Temple, Juwan's going to Western Michigan, and they're both coming to wake up call with Dan Tortora. So, plenty of interviews coming up this week, including Rodney Williams, Darius Robinson, and Juwan Dowles. So make sure you keep it locked right here to Wake Up Call with Dan Tortora on wakeupcalldt.com, your one-stop sports shop, and on mixlr.com backslash wakeupcalldt. Want to make a quick note here because we are put rolling out a new message from the Penn and Trophy Center. So because that message was not here for you today, let me leave you with this message. They proudly bring us all of our trophies in the Wake Up Call Fantasy Football Challenge, the Wake Up Call Bracket Challenge, and Anything else that we plan on doing, the Penn and Trophy Center is where we provide our trophies for our winners and our leaders in the community. 119 East 2nd Street in East Syracuse, New York. That is 119 East 2nd Street in East Syracuse, New York. We appreciate you. We thank you for all that you do. And you can get in touch with them by calling 315-422-8797. That's 315-422-8797. 8797 and visit them at their new location right by BJ's one night and right off of Bridge Street, 119 East 2nd Street in East Syracuse, New York for the Pendant Trophy Center that can make any of your dreams come true when it comes to engraving something, customizing something, making something beautiful and memorable for your family member, for your friend, for a wedding, for your significant other, for your pet, for your team, for your employee of the month for whoever it may be, make sure your administrator, whoever it is, for yourself and for your business, 
Call 315-422-8797 for Pen and Trophy. There's nowhere else to go. Over six decades of helping the community, and they do it the right way. Just look at the trophies they make for us. God bless y'all. Have a great day. Thank you to Pen and Trophy and our phenomenal team in Central and Upstate New York. We cannot wait to speak with you, and we thank you for all of your positivity and all of your amazing ways, and we cannot wait to be here tomorrow. I will be on live, as we always are, Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Eastern Time, and we'll talk with you Tuesday morning, June 5th, right here on MixLR.com backslash DT. In the meantime, stay well, stay blessed, and be good to one another.